Hey, it's Craig from Revolution Radio. This is just a reminder. Can you hit that subscribe button? That way you never miss a new episode of Canadian AF. And now, Revolution Radio and Canadian AF are proud to announce we are the newest members of a collective of some of the planet's greatest content creators on the new Cryer Media family. You can check out all the goodies that Cryer Media has to offer, including this podcast, at Cryer.co. Once again, that's C-R-I-E-R dot C-O. Thanks so much for listening to Revolution Radio, and enjoy this podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> now we're live. Now we're live. Why did they they now we're live. The thing Every is, is, the episode other part starts said, with this chaos. It does. Know? But you see, the, the, the beautiful thing of it is, is that what ends up happening is when we do an average Canadian AF episode, Canadian as fuck episode, usually started out with some of our music and we just kind of, I come on and say, hi, and blah, 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 you know, and, and I do my silly intros and what have you. We're, we're focusing on the tragically hip tonight. So I really didn't want to play anyone else's music. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, nah, let's just leave the music to the professionals. My name is DJ Craig G. Uh, also known as Craig Gador on on uh, on camera here. I keep forgetting to change that. I, I literally want to keep calling myself Craig G. I know that's how Rob knows me. That's the only way he knows me. <laughs> did you it's actually know my last name is Gador, Rob? <laughs> I did. Okay. <laughs> I used to see it on memos. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think you being Craig G is fine. I think leave it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Derek. Good. So that was the voice of Derek Lewis. Uh, Derek Lewis at Long Point Photo. You can catch him on Instagram. He is just a wonderful, wonderful dude, as well as a tattoo artist guru. Beside, uh, well, no, over top of him to the right is a fellow that needs, well, not too much of an introduction at all. His name is Rob Johnston, a.k.a. Robbie J, as uh, everyone fondly calls him. He is, uh, well, basically, I, I think you're a huge part of Curious Cast, if I'm not mistaken, right? I do a few things there. Yeah, a few things. He also <laughs> just happens to be, if you're listening to Alan Cross say, uh, technical production is by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. That's the Rob Johnston he's talking about. So Robbie J is uh, the producer of I, Alan Cross's ongoing <clears throat> history of new music. And God this, bless you, yeah. my friend. How many shows? <laughs> have? How many shows? Uh, this weekend is, I believe, 984, 986. Wow. And then wow. we do one more, Fantastic. which is 987. And then we're going to take the mm. summer off. And then we'll be back in the fall. And we're going to hit our 1,000th, 1,000th, 1, say that five times. Show yeah. number 1,000 in about November or so. Wow. Fantastic. Thanks. Congratulations, my friend. Yeah, thanks, man. Honestly, well brother, good for you. We love you. <laughs> we good. really do. You're fucking, you are just, you are literally CFNY royalty. So thanks for hanging <laughs> well, out with us tonight, man. Appreciate it. I've, I've, I've asked, I've advised my family upon my tombstone to put technical production by at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's great. Uh, our man, Dimitri Alexiu, who just happens to be a teleprompter operator, also happens to be a music historian, also happens to be a, uh, a musician as well and very, uh very our, our accordion player he is just a wonderful wonderful cat and beside me is the one and only army chris now this guy right here is a fucking proper dude he's jumped out of airplanes it might I've be cool an airplane it might be on cool purpose. To, on purpose like like <laughs> literally right it's one of those things where it's like you know i could sit here and be like oh yeah i spun music and blah 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 and rob and rob of course could say well i'm the technical producer of ongoing history and new music and chris could say well yeah i i actually you know took care of this country and i 
jumped out of airplanes. So, uh, brother, thank you for your service, and we love you. Thanks so much for joining us, man. And uh, thank you. It's great to have Good you to be here, tonight, brother. Uh, you can check out his uh, podcast called Fire for Effect. We are going to put it in the stream on Twitch so that you'll be able to check it. As a matter of fact, we'll make sure we get up all the links for uh, for everybody, including. Uh, uh, I guess I guess we'll put up the link for Derek as well. Uh, so what? let's get Don't right into this. Why would you do you, that? You told me to f off at the at the beginning of the program last week. Anyway, fuck off, I did. <laughs> there it is. There's my boy. There you go. So we wanted to we were we were talking about this the other day and saying to ourselves how can we pay tribute to the tragically hip properly their discography is vast been around for a very long time they are adored in this country and we thought how can we do this and I remember when I was talking with uh, with the boys about how are we going to do this, guys? Uh, I believe it was Chris actually had said, well, guys, you know, really, the Tragically Hip owned the 90s. I mean, I, th- I think even Dimitri and Derek actually all touched on it, how much they own the 90s. And then Rob yeah. Johnson, Rob Johnson was like, why don't we just call it Tra- Tragically Hip Canada's Band of the 90s? I'm all about branding. That's you know, it. I just found the- <laughs> honestly, and it was perfect. Now. Your old pal DJ Craig G, aka Craig Gador, apologizes because of the fact that I just am getting over a cold right now and I still have a tickle in my throat. So you may see Craig go, and this is coming the tragically. And then I'm going to talk really fast, then mute my mic, and then you'll see me do this for about 45 seconds. Anyway, before we we get things going, uh, may we ask our man Dimitri an acknowledgement, please? Canadian as fuck would like to begin by acknowledging the indigenous peoples of all the lands that we are on today. While we meet, while we meet tonight on a virtual platform, we would like to take a moment to acknowledge the importance of the lands we call home. We do this to reaffirm our commitment and responsibility in improving relationships between nations, to improving our own understanding of local indigenous peoples and cultures, and to try to move forward in a spirit of reconciliation and collaboration. Thank you very much, my friend. Much appreciated. Me, 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 me. <clears throat> yes, Craig G's voice is going to hold together for at least the next 30 minutes. After that, I make no guarantees, my friend. The Tragically Hip formed in 1983, Kingston, Ontario, Canada. They took their name from a comedy sketch television show by the late, great Michael Nesmith. And if that name sounds familiar, it should, because he was uh, one of the founding members of the pop rock group from the 1960s, late 1960s called The Monkees. He had a television show called Elephant Parts. My wife, Jen, absolutely adores that show. She's, she actually makes quotes from that show to her family members because they all, it's, it's, like, it's like, you know, if you're in with like the Simpsons crowd, you could, you have 6 million um, kind of little quotes that you can shoot at each other. They, they quote stuff at each other all the time. And I'm like, huh, I haven't seen any of it, but apparently uh, it's amazing. The band is comprised of lead singer Gord Downey, Gord Sinclair on bass, Rob Baker on lead guitar, Paul Langlois on uh, rhythm guitar and Johnny Fay on drums. 
they had a fellow by the name of Davis Manning play with them on saxophone from the early 1980s until uh, he ended up leaving in 1986. So that's just kind of the quick little things about this band that we call the Tragically Hip. I'm not going to read off, you know, the first two paragraphs of Wikipedia. This band has been very, very, very well documented over the years. The reason we like to do these, what we call deep dives, a Tragically Hip deep dive, is because all of the panelists that are on this show tonight, we've all had experiences we've all had feelings that this band has given us and that's really kind of what we're after as far as a deep dive goes we don't want to sit here and just kind of ramble on about you know a million things that you can read anywhere on the interwebs we want to talk to you about how much this band meant to us and how much this band owned the 1990s in In Canada. canada for sure i mean they just were everywhere when we get to the fourth album in this installment, actually, it's technically the fifth album because there's a live record in there that we also have to talk about briefly. Um, one of the songs I'm going to play on here, nobody on the panel has actually asked for, which is cool, which is perfect. And as soon as I literally hit the very first note on this song, everybody in Canada knows exactly what song it is. So we will get there. It's from the album fully, completely, but we have four full-length records to play before we even remotely excuse me three and then uh no stop an ep two full-length records a live record and then fully completely okay here we go so the blue ep this is an interesting one thank you derek i always appreciate your support uh the blue ep (laughs) i know that was that was terrible uh uh, excuse me hang on The blue, that's right. The Blue EP. Now, this one's interesting. Released January 1988, produced by Ken Greer, who happens to play a keyboards for a little band that, if you're a Canadian, you also may have heard of called Red Rider, uh, Tom Cochran's backing band. Um, interesting thing about this EP, I didn't hear this until, no joke, I think the first time I heard this record was like, 2005 oh really like i never i just it that never late? wow it, yeah honestly honestly guys it i just i up to here was it for me and then i just kind of went from there and and that was it you know what i mean but i i remember so i was uh djing the live to air from um first it was whiskey saigon and then it went over to velvet underground a show I was doing with our old pal Martin Streak on CFNY that Rob is very, very, very familiar with. And, of course, and Derek and Dimitri and Chris, everybody is here. So um, we were doing a show at the Velvet Underground one night, and Marty asked me, hey, could you do me a favor and play um, Last American Exit? It's it's one of my favorite Tragically Hip tunes. And I was like, uh, is that on up to here? And he went, dude. <laughs> what 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 did you just say like it's one of those things like you know even being like the dj and you know swinging and saying hey you know look at me and on the edge of stuff there was actually a lot of stuff that i'd never heard before <laughs> and and marty introduced me to so much great music he introduced me to this ep i'd never heard it before so um he says you've got to play he said one of the things about this record craig g it's there's eight songs on it 
The great thing of it is it instantly introduces you to the tragically hip and you know why up to here exists. You know why road right. apples exists and you know why fully completely exists. It's all because of this record. So I don't think you're, I don't think you're alone in that assessment though. I, I think a lot of people got into the hip with up to here and then kind of went, Oh, what's this, this thing back here. And this, then they heard highway girl, last American exit, small town, bring down. Yeah. Went, I see where they're going. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It, I, I mm. thank you, Rob, for saving me. Uh, so I'm not the only one. No, honestly, it really floored me because I remember it was just it's the the cover for up to here. It's just classic with that kind of sort of windblown. Uh, I'm sure Derek would be able to tell us what the what the effect is on the on the cover. It's just such an awesome, amazing, classic photo of the band. But the it was almost like it was sort of. Oh. I'm trying to think it was it was almost like Stan Lee came along and basically said, give me a picture of the tragically hip and I'm going to draw their first album cover. You know, like it was almost like a, a cartoon of them with this blue background. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, but I just I remember looking at it and and Marty actually uh, lent me his record and said, take it home, burn it. And, you know, mm -hmm. you, you need to own this record because it's just it's so good. And I still have that the copy of his record in my laptop to this day. I didn't so, hear that EP till later as well. So mm -hmm. the first time I saw the hip would have been 88 at a bar called Dinwoody's in the U of A campus. This is way before they were big. And they were playing songs off that EP, but I didn't know what they were. And I don't think I actually picked up the CD until after Road Apples because I mm, didn't know okay. it existed. Yeah. Right? So up to here... Road apples, and then you're, you're you know you're going through the record stores when those were a thing, and it's like, well, what's this? Oh, what is I, this? I, I think the probably reason you, it didn't exist, Chris, as well is I don't think they signed officially to MCA until up to here, so that might have be just thing. been like a a, a a thing that floated around. Well, it's kind of weird then re-released it, right? Well, yeah. I was I I first became aware of the hip because of this blue EP. Um, I I used to. I did not have much music when I was a teenager. And, uh, so and that's a whole story <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, because, uh, my family got our TV via aerial mm. antenna. Okay. And so, um, all throughout my, all throughout my childhood and teenage years. And so when I needed, when I wanted to watch music videos, I would watch video hits on CBC every afternoon after school. Or I would, or on the weekend, I would watch the Chum 30. And uh, so I remember there was like one, there was like one video hits episode that like the main, the main, the, the main two blocks finished. And they said, okay, coming up after these messages, a new song by a new band called Tragically Hip. I thought that's an odd name. And then, and then uh, that's a funny name. And so then like afterward, like, they just started playing Small Town Bring Down, the video for that song, over the closing credits of the show, which is a little bit of a cheap thing to do. <laughs> but, but that was my first exposure to the band. And I thought this is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, so it made an impression. It made an impression on me. So speaking of said song, actually, Dimitri asked if we could play this. I'm gonna actually play some of Small Town Bring Down for you right now. This is taken from the tragically hip self-titled uh 1988. I believe it is. Uh, 87. Is 87. 87. Small yeah. town bring down. Into the rain and drives and never 
The track listing on this record, Small Town Bring, uh, Small Town Breakdown, track one, track two, Last American Exit, uh, track three, Killing Time, track four, Evelyn, track five, Cemetery Side Road, track six, I'm a Werewolf Baby, track seven, Highway Girl, which if I'm not mistaken, I think, uh, no, uh, Derek's. Uh, is actually coming up some uh, another one. Sorry, and uh, track eight, uh, all Canadian Surf Club. Now, the interesting thing about this, the three singles from this record, Small Town Bring Down, which you just heard, a uh, Highway Girl, and Last American Exit. Now, if I may play, here is some of. This is Last American Exit. The wonderful thing about this track is when my old pal Martin Streak introduced me to it, after spinning that song at the Velvet Underground for the first time, as I say in about 2005, late 2004, early 2005, hearing this... That literally, for me, was like, that sounds like the Tragically Hip. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's certain songs by this band that we will get into over this two-part series. Of course, one of them being a tune that everybody adores, I think, called Bob Cajun. It literally just sounds, feels every ounce of that song is the Tragically Hip. For me, Last American Exit, Derek actually asked for this track as well, too. He and I both had this in common for, for the Blue EP. We both wanted to play this song tonight it just feels like the tragically hip mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep well one that of the amazing the things i find about listening back to that ep is it sounds like it has to have been recorded live off the floor it just sounds like there was it had to be the 100%. five guys in the room and just doing oh, it absolutely there's no 100%. way they did overdubs yeah. it's just like no. let's just bang this out it, that's that's raw and it, that's what gets your attention quickly yep. yeah but you uh you mentioned craig that ken greer produced that album and i think that that's probably why out of their entire catalog this sounds so rootsy you know yeah because like red rider does have that rootsy mm. type of feel Very, to it yes absolutely yeah yeah that twang yeah yeah listening to to you know certain tunes that uh, that red rider would have done back in the day and or had done back in the day for sure so all right so that was so 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 that ep was released in so they they peddled that in kingston in 1987 it was released uh, nationwide in Canada the next year, mm-hmm. and then they promptly went out on tour. Tour for they they toured for like a month and change or whatever. Um, uh, and that was that like that was that was typical, right? Like you, you know, you did your little you did your little thing around where you lived, and then and then you were like, oh, let's make this bigger. Um, I don't know exactly how far reaching their cross canada tour their five week cross canada tour was i don't know if they hit all all points across the board anybody dimitri usually know stuff i'll I'll tell you a funny story (laughs) we we just we just did a sit down we did a sit down with 5440 back in december at the horseshoe and we just did the show we just had it out a couple weeks ago and they tell a story about running into the hip right about this time in in like winnipeg at a gas station 
they're going one way and the hip is going the other way and it's like oh you guys yeah we heard about you guys you're a bunch of long hairs get out of the van you got to be in a band <laughs> that was really the first time they ran across them right it, so oh that's cool yeah that's because, i mean sorry dimitri oh i just thought that like in in 87 in 87 like the 5440 were just hitting a new height with uh with uh i think show me yeah what show me yeah show me so like that like they were they were getting pretty big and like the hip were just hitting we're just starting out you know so well well recording wise they mm. had been around they had been around for a few years but yeah so that that's kind of a cool cool thing to picture you know mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah definitely so as i say this ep for me was introduced a little bit late in my tragically hip um you know history as far as things go so because of that i don't really have anything else to say about it do you do anybody else have anything else to say about the blue ep before we uh before we move on i got i, it, I go dimitri well i think that i think it was like um to me to me it made an immediate impression you know so for as somebody as somebody who did notice it at the time it made an immediate impression it didn't sound like a lot of what a, a lot of what else came out in 87 88 mm -hmm. you know it was like they were kind of they were kind of this like i didn't know i didn't know what to expect from them i did not think that they were going to become the institution that they became but it got my attention and i think and i think that it served its purpose that way so yeah mm -hmm. No, I'm good. Okay. It's an observ it's an observation I can make in about on a, on about the little on on the on the um uh Road Apples album because that's when I kind of had the the sort of the awakening of of the hip. As Dimitri says, you're going, geez, this is a different band. To me, what I really noticed was I it was one of the first Canadian bands I could think of that was a five piece mm -hmm. with three guitars, you know, two guitars and a bass, and it really just that added rhythm guitar changed up the style just added just it just sort of filled in those notes that you could see other bands might have left sitting there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i i i think of other five-piece bands that have kind of worked in canada i can't talk i can't i can't really one. think of another anything. another canadian one like none there i'll wrap it up for you <laughs> There's yeah. another five-piece band in Canada that that even I don't I can't name one. Yeah, well, that's, there was, and that's there was, it, right? So there was there was a, like five-piece bands that would have existed back in the day, like sure. like Honeymoon Suite, but they had keyboards and one guitar, one bass, and then of course vocals and and drums. Now, I don't know if Big Sugar has two guitars, but um, uh, Big Sugar has two guitars, but they're four-piece. Uh, no, sorry, okay. Big Sugar. No, Big Sugar had uh, for a long time. They had, of course, Gordy on uh, lead guitar and vocals and then that wonderful fella that i think he did he used to play with the shuffle demons or something like that and he uh played um harmonica and keyboards and backing vocals mm. and he was just so cool um we maybe we should do an, an episode on big sugar uh, <laughs> but uh lover boy uh, had six members okay okay so lover boy okay let's go with this Derek. so did they have two guitars though they had two guitar players, yeah. So two guitars, keyboards, 
bass, drums, and then our pal Mike Reno on on vocals. <laughs> oh, God damn it! That was my Mike Reno. It was a good Mike. It was Reno. really Derek. good. It was Thank really you. that Thank was you. really really well. Done. Done. I'll give it to you. We're gonna stop talking about. Well, see Herman. See Herman's <laughs> wondering about Skinny Puppy. Uh, uh, two guitars, Skinny Puppy. I'm not sure. I don't. I, I that would surprise me if that were the case. Isn't it like Ogre and a bunch of just crazy weirdos? Well, I'm Ogre, just kidding. Kevin, I'm, and it's supporting supporting. So having, having seen them, having seen them a couple weeks ago in Toronto, I, there was mm -hmm. four on stage, and yeah. I don't remember the, the Two Dark Park show because it was too demented and freaked me out. So they're, they're listed as three members. Skinny Puppy is listed as three yeah, members. Yeah, that's what I figured. And then probably like satellite people. And he so just Lumber actually... Boy's probably your closest match. Yeah, probably, yeah, I think so. And C. Herman actually just said, oops, okay, sorry about that. Way to go, C. Herman. I'm just kidding, brother. We love you. So now we have to go uh, to Ardent Studios in Memphis, Tennessee. Re released uh, September 5th of 1989 and recorded essentially in the spring and mastered throughout the summer of 1989. Rob Baker's hair is getting longer. The lead yeah. guitarist, his hair is mm -hmm. getting longer. It's still on, on uh, the Blue EP. Like literally he had like, he, he kind of looked up, he almost kind of looked like an early like Dave Grohl, like sort of like, you know, sort of a, like a Beatles kind of haircut and uh, no mustache, no beard, no nothing. Now he had no mustache, no beard, but his hair is starting to get longer. The legendary Bruce Dickinson uh, traveled to Toronto to see the tragically hit play uh, at the Toronto Music Awards. And while he was there, he asked for more cowbell uh, because the legendary Bruce Dickinson Puts his pants on one leg at a time. Uh, anybody remember Saturday Night Live? Of course, I'm absolutely. Sorry. Christopher All right. Walken. All right, sorry. Okay, of course he was. <laughs> he was the legendary Bruce Dickinson. I really hope Bruce Dickinson doesn't hate me for saying that. Anyway, he's too busy flying airplanes. That's true. Yes, you're absolutely right. Now, mm. so okay, here's the sitch. Rob was talking about the wonderful indie nature of the Blue EP. This is the record that got them signed to MCA Records. Um, the singles from this record, Blow It High Dough, released April 1989. New Orleans is sinking. This is interesting. New Orleans is sinking November 89. Boots or Hearts, February 1990. And 38 years old, April 1990. So the interesting thing about this record is they had four singles off of this record. They... They pumped the crap out of this record and toured this record endlessly, so much so they had four singles that were separated by an entire year. That's how much yeah. this record got airplay on FM radio as well as college radio. It was, I don't know about you guys, but I remember New Orleans is sinking being everywhere. Absolutely it everywhere. It was just everywhere. Everywhere. And, you know, college parties. Wherever you went, high school, my high school, um, uh, well, two years later, I'll tell the, about a story about Street coming to my high school and meeting him for the first time when we're talking about the Tragically Hip. Um, this was just a year and, I guess essentially this would have been a year and five months before the explosion of grunge. Because what's interesting is the next record that we're going to talk about was released just a year later. So 
This is very, very cool. So let's go through this album, shall we? The album is called, it's called Up to Here. Here's a track listing. Track one, Blow It High Doe. Two, I'll Believe in You or I'll Be Leaving You Tonight. Three, New Orleans is Sinking. Four, 38 Years Old. Five, She Didn't Know. Six, Boots Hurts. Seven, Every Time You Go. Uh, eight, When the Weight Comes Down, one of my favorite songs on this record. Nine, Trickle Down, another one of my favorites on this record. Ten, Another Midnight. And eleven, another one of my favorite songs on this. It's funny, my favorite songs on this record are not the singles at mm-hmm. all. You know what I mean? No. So um, I love the singles. Don't get me wrong. Every Person- time you were going through those songs, I could hear the hook going. I could yeah. hear yeah. Gord every singing time the hook you said it, every you just single it. song. Yeah. How many bands can you think of where you can just go boom, 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 boom? Yeah. Ugh. I want to hear more and more thoughts of this record, boys. So I, well, you were talking, you were well, Craig, you were talking about how this came out like a year and a half before the grunge explosion. And to me, I think that what this album, I think that this is a very important album in Can in Canadian history because I think it set up what happened in with Canadian music in the nineties. It's like mm-hmm. we had a more, all right. So America had its grunge explosion. And then that, that fed that informed what was happening up here, but also there was like something weird happening with Canadian music and that it in throughout the nineties, we had this very indie rock thing and explosion happening with, with the hip, with, with the Watchmen, with like I, I suppose fifty four forty fed into that, got involved mm-hmm. in that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and you can say like bare, bare naked ladies, crash test dummies. It's like mm-hmm. it's oh. like why why am yeah. I drawing why am I drawing a blank? Uh, Live at the Church of the Holy Trinity, um, Cowboy Junkies, oh, Cowboy Junkies, Junkies. Moist, um, yeah, Thirteen Engines. You know yeah. the list. Just, yeah, it was the Can Rock Revolution. It just goes on and Travel on. Travel Charger, and on like and on. it's like. Yeah, we didn't so, get very dr- we didn't get very grunge though. No, no, no. Like and that's what they remember. Remember, oh, Geffen went it. to the Geffen went to the East Coast, and they tried to find the grunge bands, and they found Jail, and they found Sloan, and they're like, and, and Hardship and they, Post. They tried to they tried to position Hardship Post as Canada's yeah. Nirvana. It's like they're not Nirvana; they are indie rock. It's like they are their own thing, mm-hmm. you know. So we had Canada had its own thing coming out in the nineties like throughout the 90s and i think that up to here was sort of like one of the first albums to be part of that you know set that up 100 mm-hmm. um up to, I, here, up to here changed my whole fucking life oh tell us more no really? no that's it that's all you get uh, <laughs> well that's not so, fair is it so so <laughs> So that, so that, so up to here came out and I was like, uh, okay, this is, this is a thing. This is, this is like, I got into, I got introduced to up to here in, uh, the back of a pickup truck in North, like in, in like the, the upper, upper ends of like Lake Huron. That's, that's where I, that's where I actually perfect, perfect, perfect setting. Perfect. It was either that or Bob Cajun. Like those are your choice. One of the two. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's right. Yes. Or Kingston, so like, Kingston, or Kingston, Kingston works. Um, but like I got, I that's when I so the blue album I had heard. It, you know, I was like, oh hey, this is this is this is 
kind of cool. At the time, I was listening to uh, a lot of metal. Um, so, like, I, I was, like, listening to the Slayer and Napalm Death and Venom and stuff. So, like, like the Tragically Hip came out of left field, and I was like, I, I could listen to this. Um, but Up to Here was introduced to me. Uh, we were on, we were camping or something and, and somebody had it and they, they, they played it. And I was like, this is fucking great. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. this is like, it's like me, like regardless of like, you know, feel or, or popularity or anything, I'm going strictly on music, right? Like I'm going, like, I'm listening, I'm listening to Rob's guitars. I'm listening to like, I'm, I'm like, dude's playing this. There are no there are no effects. Mm-hmm. There's very, very little effect on because they were broke as shit, right? Like they didn't have any money. So they only had like the bare minimum. Like they're playing like Fender Strats and stuff like that. And he's he's finger picking and doing like all sorts of crazy stuff. And I'm like, that's like borderline like Mark Knopfler stuff, right? Mark Knopfler, okay. fantastic fucking guitar player, right? Like you don't like you didn't get that. You didn't like there was. There was no band like the Tragically Hip at that time. Nobody. No, there really wasn't. So, like having that, having that show up, and having that that musicianship showing up, and having that that like the poetic aspects of of Gord just come out. Like it's completely different than anything that was going on. And I personally hated grunge with an all-consuming passion. so having this at my side during that period of time i was like it's it was like a saving grace really for me like musically because i was like listening to grunge going this is fucking awful and i hate it well yeah okay me and derek are aligned on this because we talked about this like the last two weeks i was i was all my 80s metal was dead on the table (laughs) um yep and I didn't like grunge. I didn't I like told it. You, I fucking hate Nirvana. Um, I'm with you. And 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 yeah, up to here showed up, and I'd heard songs when I saw them live at this shitty little bar in the in the in basically the Hub Mall at U of A. I'm like, oh, that's that's pretty good. That's cool. That's different, right? But you're not paying attention. You're just hearing a bar band because you're on your way to some other thing. Mm-hmm. And then up to here came out and. Like like many of you guys, my favorite song is not one of the, the big hits. Yeah, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll touch on the live stuff later because the hips one of those bands where once you hear them live, you dial back to a song that you kind of thought was okay, and it's completely changed for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that was a uh, that was a huge directional change in my music tastes, and kind of started defining what what I was going to listen to throughout the '90s. So yeah, it's a very significant album to to kind of kick off the trajectory that we're we're going with this show. The interesting thing about Up to Here too was it was the first rock and roll sort of pop. Not I shouldn't say pop. I shouldn't say pop at all. It was the first Canadian rock record that was being added. A few of the songs were being added into dances. Do you know what I mean? Like actual really? school dances. Like like I remember hearing. New Orleans is sinking at a like a, a school dance in you know my school dance in Stouffville. I remember the DJ playing it and just being kind of like, hmm, well, this is a great song. I love this album, but I never thought. And then I turn around, and the dance floor is packed. Right? 
So the tragically hip is going to kind of come up in this conversation a couple of times in regards to the dance floor because I have firsthand sort of you know um, experience with playing the tragically hip in a nightclub for a dance floor. So see, I thought the blow it high dough would be more of a dance song than than New Orleans, but New Orleans is just such a slinky kind of cool. Yeah, I remember the video mm. everywhere. I you know, it was ubiquitous. And I will tell you, I will admit this though. Hmm. How do I phrase this? Every band I I listen to, there is the one song I never need to listen to again. Yeah. And this through no fault of their own. It's just it's just saturation. Mm-hmm. Um, what I find interesting though is this was the album that I really started to notice the songwriting craft of the storytelling and the lyrics. Absolutely, especially, the storytelling. especially with especially with thirty eight years old, it was like okay, they can tell that sort of that folk story that Johnny Cash. I'm going to tell you a story in a song, and I'm going to put it into this amazing, you know, drums and guitar sound. And Gorgeous sits so above it, and and you just believe everything he's saying. That yeah. was that was the song that I kind of went, okay, there's something really cool going on here. Yeah, yeah and There's I don't know whether cool. I don't know if Craig's queuing it up. He might. Be. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> there's a lot of not that one. Of, I'm actually queuing up one of Chris's here. There's a lot okay. of and 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 you know, dare I say this? There's a lot of the the storytelling, like like you said, Johnny Cash, and you know what have you, but. At the at the time, I, I, like growing up, like like you think about like what Gord would have would have heard, like what would his dad have played, right? Sure, he might have mm. played some like Johnny Cash, but I fucking guarantee you, there's some Gordon Lightfoot in there. Mm-hmm. There's some stomping Tom Connors mm-hmm. in there, right? Like mm-hmm. there there, and it's it's like it's it's like Canadiana, like passed down, and then mm. and then Gord picked it up, and that's how that's exactly Leonard, how he sings. Leonard Cohen, Leonard sure. Cohen yeah. too, yeah, oh, yeah, as well, absolutely, Cohen for sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Right. Like there's it's, there's it's there's the story stuff that doesn't rhyme, sure. yeah. Like you no. know, like like stand, standard musician craftsmanship, like lyric writing is like you you know, like if you're pop writing, you gotta you, you gotta rhyme this word with the last word of that sentence, and this has to go this way, and that has to go this way, and Gord's like, fuck that. I'm just going to write a goddamn story. Then I'm going to mm-hmm. sing it. Absolutely. Let's play a couple yeah. of tunes from this uh, brilliant record, shall we? Let's this do is it. Our man, Chris, he wanted to hear one of, uh, he wanted to, this is one of his picks, excuse me, sorry, from this record. Brilliant, brilliant freaking song, Opiated. He bought a nice blue suit with the money he could buy. If his bride didn't like it, same Peter wouldn't mind. Our man Derek asked for this opening because it's, well, let's face it, iconic. <laughs> like, you just, you just, those first all notes, right, man. All right, all right. <laughs> so good. Those first notes, man. Yeah. Boom, blue on the street. Loose and complete under sky. So smoky, blue, green. 
One of the things that should always be noted is as wonderful as Gord Downey was, and he was fucking wonderful, the rest of this band was an incredible, incredible rhythm section. They were fucking good. They were fucking good. And I mean, like, everything about that, they were so tight. Like, seeing these guys play live, I was lucky. I saw, I think, Dimitri and I might be tied. I saw the hip five times. I saw the hip five times. Yeah. So, and I was lucky to actually see the hip in Kingston at AJ's, which is one of their, like, stomping grounds, one of their, the places that they originally got their, uh, their sound started at. Um, As a matter of fact, I worked with one of his nieces and uh, this wonderful girl named Aiden, woman named Aiden. And um, she used to tell me about, you know, they loved playing at places like AJ's because it was just a sweaty small bar and people went crazy and and just loved all of the stuff that they did. That is as classic as it gets. Um, I got to boot up something else here. So why don't we hear from you guys? Why don't you uh, let's let's talk about uh, anybody have anything to say about blow at high dough? Oh, great lead off Explosive. Track. It's absolutely explosive. That 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 guitar crunch. It's like, uh, I think that that, I think that given that that's the first track on the album, that immediately sets it apart from the Blue EP. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's not, they're not trying to be rootsy with this. Yeah. You know, this is just straight ahead rock. You know, uh, there's a definite, there's a definite difference in the sound that, Ken Greer got on the blue EP and Don Smith got on this one. Definitely. This is mm-hmm. so the, this here, is, um, here it did is. You, yeah. Did you guys have, I want you to rewind because we have so many genres now, but back then when, when friends of mine were still discovering the hip and they knew I was listening to the hip, they asked me, well, what genre is it? And I couldn't really answer the question Interesting. at that time. I'm like, well, it's not grunge, which was taken over everything. It's not rock in the sense that you think it would. I don't know if alt rock was a word back then or folk rock and like all the shit now, but I'm like, I can't answer that. Hmm. But here's what I can tell you. There is a lyrical poetic genius. So all the songs I picked for for tonight, I I timestamped them for Craig. Yeah. Because they were lines that just grabbed you right by the nuts and you're like, wow, that's, that's something else backed up by an amazing band who can bring those words to life like nobody could at the time. So that's, you know, that's how I approached it when I was picking these songs. But it's, yeah, it's, at the time I couldn't pick it. I couldn't name the genre. It's an interesting question because, you know, it was certainly getting play on in Toronto, for instance, Q107 rock station played the crap out of those albums. Yeah. The CFNY edge, it wasn't edge at the point. It wasn't CFNY, it was called modern rock played the crap out of it did they did a few shows for the hip so it was it was crossing all these different format boundaries can con sure played a role in it but it's not often you get a band that will cross the big ac rock alternative rock on the same song and make it work right yeah well, I ain't no movie star, but i can get behind anything Yeah, I can get behind anything. Get it out, get it all out. 
One of those things, too, that Dimitri was saying as well before is maybe this should have been the track that everybody danced to on the dance floor. And they certainly <laughs> did. It was just... They did? Yeah. It, one of the things about this record, it was just infectious. I don't know. I It was... It's hard to pinpoint exactly why it was what it was, but it was serious, and it really made an impact. This was the record that set the Tragically Hip up for the 90s. Hands they got down, a lot of video play. Bonner. They got a lot of video play on, yeah, low, on, on, on um, New Orleans. They yeah. got a lot of call. They did a lot of colleges. They did a lot of universities. They got a lot they of Gen were, X behind them. So they were they playing, worked fucking playing, hard. Playing. They worked incredibly hard. If, I mean, it was, they were the band at, at Queens. They were the band at Western. They were the band at all the big universities. They, they, they played the crap out of them. And the band was always there touring. Yeah. Right. You, you've never heard anything like that. Up no, there. absolutely exactly. not. Absolutely. Not. You're completely right. Chris in, in that if regard. People, and when we're going to talk about the next two albums, they just kept progressing from record to record to record. It's like, how the oh, fuck are they doing this? Like, it's incredible. I just, I, it was a, just an amazing thing to to uh, experience. If you go back, if you go back to the Blue Album, just just Craig, grab any any song. Doesn't matter. Sure. Give me fifteen seconds of any song off the Blue Album. Talk while I'm getting it up. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, Canadian sorry. surf club. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's There's interesting them. is is as craig said they, they progress 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 but what i find is interesting too is if you look at the four we're talking about tonight they all are similar but they're all different mm -hmm. there's a different feel to them all the, you know little bones has a bit more roughness to it a bit more intensity to it than mm -hmm. this one does sorry my bad i completely forgot to play this for my man derek he asked for killing time from this the i uh, did ask for EP. killing time but it's all I've ever this is perfect. Because of what I'm going to play next. So listen to the bass. Listen to the bass. Gord's all over the place. Mm -hmm. Okay, Gord is all over the place. Now play Blow It High Do again. Uh okay. Sorry, you can you kind of okay. need to if give play, me. Yeah, if, yeah <laughs> I'm gonna play. I'm actually gonna play. Do it now. No, here's 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 what I'm actually gonna do because Dimitri asked for this one. Okay, yeah, do it. My mother cried the horror. Finally ceased. He whispered, "Yeah, for the time being, at least." Over shoulder, squad come make a phone. Said, Let's go, my son. We're taking you home. Same pattern on the table. Now, there's a, there's a, there's a much more sophisticated, simplistic playing to Gord's playing. Sinclair? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a much more sophisticated playing. So, with, with the Blue Album, he's kind of, he's kind of doing what a lot of, like there's a lot of bass players that play that and they're they're kind of like they kind of do a lot of walking they kind of go a lot of like all, like kind of all over the place um but with everything else that's going on musically in how the, in how the tragically hit plays it 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 kind of takes away from it right so 
as the albums progress, you can actually listen to to Sinclair go slightly less into playing and more just letting things letting things just breathe. Space. Just, just holding down the back end and giving it space and letting it do its thing. And then you got two guitars that are just basically coloring the rest of the scene. And then Gord carries the fucking Gord carries the song. It's absolutely astounding. Mm -hmm. When we look at those, we're, we're focusing primarily on four albums. I, I always ask myself, is it progression or is it expansion or is it a combination of both? I think that's a good question. That's a good question. That's probably a combination of both. I would think. I think, like, I call that evolution. Maybe I don't know because it's, it's evolution not like, for sure. It's not like the la okay, we're doing this on the next album. Is it's better than Latin? It's not like that because it's it's similar, but there's so much expansion is the only word that comes to mind. Where do you I think, think it's okay, a good point. Up, up to here, killed it, and then Road Apples comes out, and you're like, where the fuck did that come from? Yeah, I yeah. think it's a good point because <laughs> it's not like oh, this is just chapter two or this is just chapter three this is like like i say you can go up to here then it's like oh we're we'll go over here for road apples and then whoop we're going over here for day for you know for fully completed then day for night goes this way and you're like you're going on this adventure with the band that's and you're, the best you're way in, to describe it and you're in right yeah. well, that's why it's so hard to say well what's the best album what's the <laughs> best song like that's not even a question that's just like but that's like, what's the meaning of life? Like, they just don't, I don't know. <laughs> that's right. Mm -hmm. Who's your I have favorite? My favorite Power I have Ranger. my favorites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, see, but you said favorites, Dimitri. No, you can't say, <laughs> right? Everybody has favorites. And that's how you know how good of a band it is when you do not mm -hmm. singularize favorites. It's favorites, not favorite. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hence the title of that one album was called Your Favorites. Yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah. I think uh, so, what we're gonna do, guys. Is, sorry, Dimitri, were you gonna say? Well, I was. I was thinking. I was wondering, Craig, if we should move on. We should. Well, that's actually exactly what we're going to do. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a bit of a break <laughs> here, my friends. I'm gonna play a couple of tracks from an album uh, called "Live Between Us." This is essentially, uh, well, it's a live album celebrating uh, basically the first four records of the Tragically Hip's career. I'm not gonna play any of the tracks from the third record and the fourth record that we're just about to talk about but i am going to play two from up to here so this is from before uh, you get to that yep. before you get to that, i remember there was a story alan said on the show and it was something about the the saxophone player and he, manning yes and he was they, they were trying to figure out what the, what they're going to do and i think he was getting a lot of pressure from his girlfriend or something like are you in or you're out with this band like what's going on because she said something like the tragically hip live between us you know they live between oh. what we're gonna do right so then there was the whole live wow. between us live between us like there's this amazing i love that that play on words right like the in excess live baby live or live baby live like what is it right i love that that you can take that word oh yeah yeah that and is it can cool. have so many it can have different uh there's a hidden gem i didn't you know? think about before Hey, if I can really quickly, if you guys don't mind, my wife, my wonderful, beautiful wife is an English teacher. She's actually told me that Shakespeare made words that we didn't even realize existed before Shakespeare came along. Do you know what's a classic one? Elbow. Shakespeare made the word elbow. Can you what believe that? It, what did we call it till then? I don't know. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I really want to know now. It's called an arm, arm point. 
I, I like my like arm, arm points. And he also came up with the word bedroom. Shakespeare was awesome. So we've got to uh, take a break here. We're all going to refresh our beverages real fast, and we are going to bring you that after the me. break. Uh, yeah, because Derek apparently has brought everything, and apparently he's even got a catheter. I don't know. Uh, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick break and uh, call the stadium. Pal. Okay, yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> we are going to get to Road Apples and fully completely right after this. Taken from uh, Live Between Us, Live Between Us. We don't even know which one it is. This is New Orleans is sinking. Live version of the tragically hip Canadian as fuck episode fifty three. Sky's 
night bug Hanging on a wire Sucking up to someone Just to stoke the fire Picking out the highlights of the scenery Saw some little clouds that looked a little Here's the second one, Blowing High Dope, from Live Between Us. They shot a movie once in your hometown. Everybody was in it from miles around. Out at the ballpark Snake Elvis Presley thing But I can't catch him But I can get behind anything Oh, yeah, yeah, stretch that thing 
at the ballpark Saint Matthew Broderick thing Well I ain't no movie star But I can get behind anything Recorded at uh, Kobo Arena in Detroit, Michigan, November 23rd, 1996. That's a record by a band you may have heard of called The Tragically Hip called Live Slash yeah. Between Chris Us. Chris is holding it up. First CD with no jewel case. Oh, very cool. Like a, like a cardboard sort of folder. Yeah, but it came with a nice um, photo thing in it. Look at you. Now, you guys said 88. This says 87, boys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek said eighty-seven. Derek, Derek, 87. Derek, Derek corrected our fearless leader. Yeah, eighty-seven. It was released strictly in Kingston. Strictly in Kingston. Okay. And then eighty-eight. It got it. It got uh, distribution through uh, the rest of Canada. And, and po- further point of clarification: they were signed uh, to MCA at that point in time as well. Oh, cool. That mm-hmm. makes sense. I'm just digging into mm-hmm. the archives here. So. I like that he's physically digging into the archives. Physically but, um, digging into the archives. I'm going to Google shit. I have a lot of duplicates shit. here. I have a lot of duplicates <laughs> but the thing for is, some like, reason. Could... I have two day for nights. You can well, never you have more than send enough. me one of those. I can do that if you want one. <laughs> so, we were, so we were just listening to the hip live, and like, I think we have to talk about... The hip live? How, how, how unique a live presence Gore Downey was. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great point because I'm going to tie back. A lot of friends of mine got into the hip after Live Between Us mm-hmm. because it it is, and you could say this about a lot of bands. I mean, we can all agree that Live is better, generally speaking. But when the hip goes live, your mind's blown, and you immediately I'll go revisit songs that I thought were vanilla, mediocre. Or, you know, they didn't really bang for me. Mm-hmm. and it changes everything and i think like new orleans was sinking got so much play and then the first time i heard it live i was like that is something else 
and you did know what Gord was going to do on stage, what he was going to do with a song, how he was yeah. going to impersonate it. You know, I mean, there was one mm. show we did. <clears throat> we had them play Molson Park, a number of uh, Canada Day festivals um, uh, for the station back, you know, 989991 all through there. And the 1991 is a legendary because Gord was up on stage and it could have been during um, uh, Blow It High Dough. He lit his boots on fire <laughs> on the stage, right? And you're like, like, on, like on purpose, on purpose. And you're like, wow. what is going on? Right. He's pulling like, a Jimi Hendrix. He's, he's like, <laughs> you know, the Canadian musicians don't do this. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Absolutely. They would never do any, anything like that. Right. You know, I think a lot of Canadian musicians at that point would just kind of, let's just stand on stage and be Canadian and be wonderful and happy and, and, and not, well, not, you know, put well, on the any thing sort is, of a spectacle, that kind of thing. You know? This was the first time I guarantee you. A lot of people probably saw them live as well, because this yeah. would have been July 1st, 1990, the back end of Up to Here touring. They would have heard them. They might have seen them. They might have not. They were still doing clubs and, and, and things like that. So you're like, big concert, big Canada thing. You're like, what's this dude doing lighting his boots on fire? I got to know more about this band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the it's thing great. is, it's like, um, it seemed like he would become possessed by the music. And that he was just sort of like, and that the music was sort of flinging him around the stage. Like he did, he didn't have control of his limbs or anything. And it was elect, it was electric and spellbinding to watch. You know, I completely and, agree with you, Dimitri, but I also feel it felt that way for the band as well, too. Like I just, they didn't know what like, the fuck watch, he was going to do. Watch, <laughs> watching Rob, you know, Baker, the lead guitarist, like just get like swinging his hair, you know, back in that wonderful you know like mane of hair in the back of him like watching him swing it back and forth like he got lost in the music too you know what i mean and it was like fuck they were just such a fucking great live band they really were and if you think about so good craig if you think about so if you if you think back think back to the 90s right and think back i can't i don't remember all you all you remember is i was i was trust us all you remember is the 90s that's okay um so if you think back, if you think back to the nineties, the nineties was like, like stage production at the nineties was ramping up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you too. Right. You too. Yeah. Like, you too. It was the uh, biggest speaking, show. Yeah. 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 Speaking of, um, like there were a lot of like super, super, and that like, there was like, there was this thing over here and you had to look at that thing. And then this thing shot out and like, oh, yeah. threw out across the crowd and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The tragically hip did none of it. No, none of it. They didn't none have of to. It. They didn't. They, didn't they never did. To. And they never they, did. They no. never did. The biggest spectacle cool at lighting. their show was them. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I have that to, well, it. uh, Okay, so I will say just really quickly, if I may. I'm sorry, I no. completely agree with you, Derek. I will say they're another roadside attractions. Those were pretty impressive stages. Those were great shows. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't right. They weren't. That's what. That's that's what I'm saying. They weren't Zoo TV, but what they were was for the tragically hip. They were kind of a big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, um, Herman is pointing out balloons. See, mm-hmm. Herman like. So, like, were the balloons the extra added thing at a tragically hip show? Everybody loves saying? balloons. Say so in the chat. Everybody loves balloons. But like, just, but yeah. and, and you know what? It goes back to this. Goes back to the the thing I pointed out to you today earlier, Craig, when I was talking to you about the um, live version of 
uh new orleans is new orleans the, yeah. rock, the, rock, the roxy version the, the, the roxy version that's now available we used it was i think it was the b-side of little bones radio only cd single and it was the most requested song i ever remember at the radio station and i used to do re- request shows i used to produce request shows and every weekend we would get a request for it because you couldn't hear it it was nine minutes long and gore did his legendary killer whale tank where he tells Absolutely. a story about shamu and arms getting ripped off and you're like what is going on mm-hmm. like he just takes this bridge in the middle and he just expands it out for three minutes and the band just keeps going and i love it and, and i love how the rest the of and i love how the rest of the band follows him through it that just, you know they're all along. together like they're just going oh, along you're, with the story and they're so right like they all all of a sudden no communication they, i remember they just there's I remember. nothing searching napster for days find, <laughs> for the killer whale tank find the killer, killer whale, whale tank, tank. Yeah. Nope. and then when i buddy <laughs> it took days <laughs> to find it man. i had friends all through the 90s saying you think you can get me a copy of that on set or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Couldn't, you, you couldn't get it. Everybody would no. go to a record store, couldn't find it. Couldn't, and I said that you can't find it because it was a radio only release. Yeah. It, that's all it was. Yep. So to further on um C. Herman's point about balloons, yeah. Gord Downey likes stomping them, apparently. He talked to one at the Y2K show. Fans love them. <laughs> so yeah. So that's uh I remember like uh, I like uh, talking to balloons too. So that's yeah. all good. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, Gore Downey and Electric Print, like, yeah, fa- one of the fantastic live bands. Wow. Um, up until recently, up until recently, they held the record for me for most times I me saw too. a band live. Me too. Yeah. Them and uh, Depeche Mode. Yep. I think mm. I've seen the Hip seven times live. Nice. Wow. Nice. I think I'm up to about. I think Three I'm up. I'm, I'm, I'm well over a dozen. Hey, Rob, Rob. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm over well, a dozen, but I worked after it's, a show. It's fine. Working yeah. is fine. Yeah. So, so okay. So here's my number. Ready? Go. Fucking zero. Yeah, we know. We know. Not you told us Derek. last week. We feel yeah. bad. Yeah. It's, I'm it's, sorry you know what? For not that, buddy. once. Not it's, once. Wow. You know that's, what? Let, that's let, unfortunate. Uh, we are going to one of the things I've, that I want to talk I've watched, about. I've watched live. Li- I've watched live shows. The hip. One, watch them. one of the things that I want to talk about at the end of next week's show, because we're going to finish essentially with the tragically hip in the nineties. But one thing we, one thing we, we probably should do is to sign off in regards to the hip in losing Gore Downey. And that last show at the K rock um, arena in Kingston Oh god! Um, I oh dude, I I wept, I wept absolutely. My 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 I was with I was with I was with my daughter. Yep. And they broke into a head by a century, and I instantly teared up. And she, oh fuck, don't just relax. Don't do it now. Yeah, don't do it now. So I just, she was like, she said, you know, Chris, your mic is off. My uh, my video on my. My my Go my ahead, daughter was no no it's okay brother it's okay. Uh, Trying to keep my, you from breaking up here, buddy. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I appreciate <laughs> it. My daughter was like, you know, what is it about this guy? At the time, I think she was five or six, and I just said, I I grew up with this man. I I was a kid when yeah. you know his music mm-hmm. came out. So anyway, I was gonna say I got, I got video still in my phone from the last concert in Edmonton. It was a double show, and my, and my breakdown song was Courage. 
Yeah. Like, I just lost. Yeah. Now I'm doing it. Change the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate So to say bagels it, are good. I like bagels. <laughs> you know what? Damn you, Downey. Um, well, listen, what we got to do here is we've been talking about this live record now uh, properly for the last 15 minutes since we signed back on after our uh, do, 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 do after our break. Live between us. Um, Canadian slang for horse droppings are known as road apples. Uh, that actually is a proper term. I heard, I think the first time I heard road apples, I was 13, 14 years old or something like that, uh, going to the CNE where the police would ride around on horseback. Ride in on horseback. and uh, Sorry, um, I, I'm breaking into another Tragically Hip song here. Um, not on purpose. Not on purpose. And just like, you know, oh, look, mommy, look at that. And my mom would be like, oh, there are some road apples. Like it's it's literally it is actually a Canadian uh, thing. This is their second full studio album. The recording Do you know why was they done. called it that. Do you know why they recorded? Do you know why they called it that? Why? They wanted to call it Saskadelphia, but the U.S. label was like, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. So they said, fine, we'll call it road apples. And they didn't know what it meant. <laughs> and, and Dimitri and I know my That's man's funny. I know my man Dimitri has a lot to say about Saskadelphia, so we are going to uh, get into that very shortly. The recording yeah. was done at a studio in New Orleans by a fellow by the name of Daniel Lanois. This may yes. have been the tragically hip's first introduction to said person. I'm actually going to tell a great story when we get into their next record about seeing this band live um, at their touring road show when I saw that fellow open this band. Anyway, um, when I told this story, our, our pal Ryan Lindley, who right now is in Montreal and really wanted to be a part of these shows, uh, told the story. He was like, oh, no. Anyway, I'll tell you guys the story in just a couple of seconds. The recording was done at Daniel Lenoir's uh, studio in New Orleans. Colin Cripps from Crash Vegas, a great Canadian, another great Canadian band, uh, Crash Vegas recommended it to them. There's a number of singles on this record. We're going to walk through them, and then we'll also walk through uh, the well, the track listing of the entire record, shall we? Let's start with the singles. A Little Bones released early 1991. Three Pistols. In 1991 as well. Twist My Arm, June of 91. Long Time Running, I believe, was around September of 91. And on uh, the... Sorry. Hang on a second. I'm drawing a blank. What? Uh, on the Verge. Sorry. I'm complete. I, I couldn't even read my own handwriting. Uh, it was actually released at the end of uh, 1991. So essentially five singles released the same year that Grunge broke. So, uh, Twist My Arm was released in June, just before we were starting to get smatterings, a little bit of uh, Bad Motor Finger from Soundgarden, a little bit of, um, you know, maybe a couple of smatterings of Bleach by Nirvana and that kind of thing. And then, of course, in September of 1991, um, a little album called Nevermind just happened to come out. Now, the interesting thing about this record for me, I loved Up To Here. I don't know how many of you guys are going to find this interesting. This record for me absolutely turned me 100% into a tragically hip fan forever. So I loved, I going back after 
finding out that there actually was an EP. For me, the first record from the Tragically Hip was up to here, and I just thought it was a great fucking record. It was awesome. But I was also a rocker, and I still listen to Led Zeppelin, and I still listen to, you know, the, the next tattoo that my man Derek hopefully will do for me someday is going to be the logo on Ringo Starr's bass drum, the Beatles. Um, those are my two, two of my favorite bands of all time, but I really fell in love with the Tragically Hip on up to here. Road Apples, for me, absolutely 100% solidified me as a Tragically Hip fan mm-hmm. i um i was kind of astounded by the level of success that the hip had achieved by road apples it seemed to me like um mm-hmm. it seemed to me that some of your bigger canadian bands at the time like like say blue Rodeo or something or mm-hmm. i guess glass tiger it's like um yeah. it's like yeah, yeah like it they were yeah, like they Brian, would, Brian Adams was huge at this time. Yeah. Too, so, yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian Adams was kind of on a different stratus, but it's like, but the thing is, like, that uh, guy can go pound sand too. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, um, but the thing, but the thing is, like, you, like, Blue Rodeo, they would like, uh, they would have, they would have like albums that would go up the charts and everything, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't rock it all the way up to number one. And then I remember just looking, looking at the Sam's chart or something and like road apples would just come out and it would immediately go to number one on, on like, like on the Sam's wall. And I was like, Holy crap. This is like a low, like, this is like an Ontario band, you know? And like, and, uh, and I would hear them. I remember, uh, I was, I would listen to Q107, um, request request chart or something like that. And like, and little bones would be at like number two behind Ozzy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's so like, and I was just like, Holy crap. They got so big. So, so fast, you know, it so, was very um, un-Canadian. Yeah. It was very un-Canadian. Yeah. Man. You're right. Rob, it was you're great. Right. It was great. Absolutely. To see. Rob, you're absolutely right. You know? It was yeah. great to see. Yeah. I didn't know great. what I did. I didn't know a Canadian band could, could achieve that. Yeah, for sure. Until that point. It's, it's Rob. a good point. Um, that summer, the summer of 91, um, it was the first time I really worked with the hip. I was fortunate to work with them on a number of different projects. That summer I was working at a place that some people might know called Ontario place here in Toronto. It's going to be a spa soon, Rob, just so you know, it's going to be wonderful. (laughs) Thanks to our friend Doug for for those of us, for those who don't know, it was, it was an outdoor amphitheater, not amphitheater, outdoor, um, venue right down on the water that was replaced by the amphitheater. Um, we had them play three shows that summer on a long weekend in August. I had an all access pass because I worked on the, on the stage. I was a stagehand. It was the only weekend where people were desperate to get a hold of an all access pass to get into the show because they couldn't get in. Tickets were gone. This was the year they, they, they didn't sell tickets. You couldn't get into the venue. It was packed out. Yeah. And I remember thinking, how did this happen? Like, like Dimitri said, like, how did this happen? So, so Rob, sorry to interrupt. Road Apples was released at this time. Road yes. Apples is out at this time. Okay, yes. so everybody's this, losing this, their shit. Yeah, yeah. This, this is, is August. This is, this is August. Yeah, this is, this yeah, is yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, this is like three singles in, right? Like it, they're they're huge. And it was the only Canadian, the only shows they were doing in Toronto that year, that summer, I think. And we did three shows. I worked two of the shows, and I remember. So the what we would do is the first day we would come in, set up the show, they'd sound check, do everything. Second show, because that's all done. And third show, there was no sound check. There was no nothing. So we had time to kill. So we went in. 
and we're looking for something to do and i think it was gourd i think it was down he grabs a nerf ball and he starts throwing it around with us and we're playing nerf football amongst all their gear on the stage and we're doing this for like half an hour and they're just laughing and having fun and i'm thinking this is amazing these guys are just so cool so down to earth out of all the bands i worked that summer them and blue rodeo were like on a completely different level of just like cool i get it i get it i see why you're so huge and you and then that's that was when it really clicked for me like i am now a fan of this band and i can't wait to see this where they go next mm-hmm. absolutely they're they're the they're the they're the typical they're the typical hometown band yeah they are and that's mm-hmm. that's the difference right like like they 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 take they take like uh, like obnoxious pride in 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 the kingston fact they take obnoxious pride in the canadian fact right? yeah like there's there's a lot of other a lot of other bands at that time were like we gotta get us we gotta get like we gotta get recognition well, in america yeah. we gotta I remember get- like honeymoon suite throwing new york city into their songs and stuff and it's like and it's like and i'm and i remember i remember when i when i heard that honeymoon suite song and i'm just like really (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile gord's talking about jacques cartier and people in the states are going (laughs) yeah you know who the tom thompson i saw tom thompson paddling past paddling past (laughs) yeah Yeah, right like we're talking about they never they never and i I don't want to use the word sold out that's they they never catered to that yeah to the the, you know to, to help you know the, uh, the talking to americans version of canadian yes, music right exactly. they didn't do that it's like this is canadiana and half of canada probably doesn't even understand the lyrics yeah well and yeah they, were, they i think they were there you go i think that they wrote i think that they wrote for themselves and um and i've and i've said this before about like like i remember after gordon after gordani died i was trying to think of like um why did I love this band so much? Like, what was it? And I think, and I think it's like, uh, if I look at my favorite artists, it's like they write from the peak of their intelligence and they, and they don't, and they don't ever try to do anything less than that. And that's why I think, that's why I think that Gordani's Gordani and the hip affected me so deeply because he never, he never talked down. He never, he just like he 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 spoke he spoke from the peak of his intelligence and he asked you to meet him there absolutely you know completely. he challenged you to meet him there completely you agree know? with you dimitri totally agree with you my friend we still have so much to talk about <laughs> i'm sorry guys i i do have to lay down the the, the host hammer mm-hmm. uh track one little bones track two twist my arm track three cordelia for the luxury i'm actually literally not even reading this i this fucking record is like octoon baby for me i uh, track four luxury four born a uh, five born in the water uh six uh, long time running seven bring it all back eight three pistols great fucking my favorite song I on love this. that song that's my favorite song on the entire record nine is yeah. uh fight 10 on the verge <laughs> uh, 11 i think might be Derek's favorite record called fiddler's green brilliant oh, piece God. of music and yeah uh the last song on the album is the last of the un unplugged gems thank you thank you that's the only one i keep forgetting (laughs) i remember Mm -hmm. all the rest of i keep forgetting the last one um so the singles off of this record little bones again uh three pistols twist my arm long time running 
and on the verge. Now let's let's listen to some music on this record, shall we? Chris and Derek both asked for different sections of this song, so we're going to. Uh, I think we're going to play, play Chris's, Chris's here. We're going to yeah. play Chris's here first. This is from uh, Cordelia. Again, lines of gravitation. <laughs> And now here is our man Derek's pick for the same song. If you couldn't tell, this is Dimitri's pick. (laughs) (laughs) Another track from this album that I completely, completely, completely adore. It's probably my favorite on the record. Aside from that, uh, is one of our man Chris's picks. My God, my God. Okay, God, I got to turn that off. Or I'm going to cry. So, yeah. uh, so that was written for Gord's nephew. Yeah, yeah. So as a was a tragic um, sort of. I can't fucking listen to that song ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shit. Lost his um, nephew, and uh, so I want to. Uh, 
Derek, if you don't mind, do you want to no, say anything? No, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, I'm a drink. <laughs> totally. I got to drink. So go on, go, like, going I'm going to drink to take the pain away. Take uh, the pain away. Going back to lyrics that Americans would never understand. Like, you go back to um, Drop a Caribou. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Who the hell would know that. what that is? They yeah. don't know what the hell they're talking about. Now, no. you hear that. Yeah. And I had all these friends. They go, well, you know, I said, they're like, oh, you just like CanCon. You like them because they're Canadian. I said, no, I like them because they make better fucking music than all this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think, I think it's such a paradox why they weren't successful in the states, right? It's like, but you think about how many Canadian bands really, truly were successful in the states. You can count them all on, on, on really on one hand. Probably, yeah. But the problem, I mean, the challenge they had was amongst all these Canadian bands is you're trying to break through in the states and great band at the wrong time you know the 90s and this in the that point in the u.s it was all where's Seattle the next big sound. rock grunge where's the next big rock yeah. band from well First it was had, the hair metals and then it was them right so well yeah and like and i have to wonder like the the american division of mca i don't know whether they whether they ever had like like they had they didn't only have the hit they also have they also had um they also had uh, the Watchmen on MCA, and like neither one of them did anything in the states, or very little anyway. Headstones, headstones were on MCA. Okay, so like, so I don't know whether whether the American the American division of that label ever took the the whatever the Canadian division was doing seriously. Is, I just this, you know, is this even a question? Because if we just all agreed that the band specifically Gord Downey didn't care about catering to that market lyrically as far as cerebrally connecting with them and wrote his own music his own way i guess i did, you know what did they care you know what chris broke into that market i don't know chris that's probably an interesting quest that's that's probably um that's an interesting talking point i think anybody would be happy to break into the american market you know i think oh for sure but the question is was it a driver for them because like I don't know, said, I, they, they, they I touted, don't, I don't, they touted Kingston being, being proud to be from Kingston. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I just like, and I'm just giving you a, a perception is that I, I know like, they, they made... were just not like busting their balls to get, to make it big in, in the States, like say Nickelback or the guess who, or whoever that wasn't just, that wasn't, it didn't appear to me that they were, mm. they played, they played Saturday night live. They did Woodstock 94 Eight. or 90. 90, 99 yeah 90, 94 yeah. and 99 but they were invited to go down to those things because yeah i i do believe they made concerted efforts at a couple points in time to try to crack it mm -hmm. but it and, just and you guys would know better than me with with the industry you've been in i just i, I, I never I, as, a, as just your your normal fan and out yeah. west, it's like they never broke from their roots I don't think that they ever broke from their roots, and that's a great point, Chris. They Unlike never, your they uh, never band, would have you two who sold the fuck out. But anyway, we can hey, move on. Anyway, listen. <laughs> There's all sorts of other people too that I've heard you talk about too that have fucking sold out. But I won't go there either. Uh, listen. Fair. At the end of the day, at the end of the fucking Kid Rock. At the end of the day, um, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't Another even. Show. I that Another fucking show. that <laughs> fucking smelly bag. Anyway, um. Okay. We'll agree to disagree and move on. Yeah, absolutely. He's anyway. 
So yeah. uh, <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> no, and, <laughs> so much fun right now. no, I fucking so yeah. much contention. I'm wearing a Kid Rock shirt oh, next I fucking can't week. Even oh. fuck he is a smelly <laughs> bag of shit. Um, <laughs> he's fucking the worst. So anyway, we're talking about a great band here right now called the Tragically Hip. I'm actually gonna pull Ooh. that out. <laughs> I'm gonna cut that out of the episode. So no, you're not. The thing no. is, no, I'm actually not. Um, so. I think that's, but Chris, you actually bring up a really good point because I don't think that they ever would have, the hip never would have um, sacrificed their Canadiana to cater to an American market. But at the end of the day, I just don't think, and Rob touched on this, I, I don't think they had the backing that maybe they could have, you know? And, and it, yeah, and and again, if you want to rewind to the or the beginning of the episode where I said, "Well, what genre are they?" I don't think the American exactly. Yeah, we didn't know cerebrally what, what, process what they are. Square peg dismissed them because they were whole. Yeah, so they're so wrapped up with um, again the the whole grunge scene exploding early in the '90s, the Seattle sound and all that good stuff, and and all the markets down there looking for that next big sound. I'm not saying overshadowed it. I just yeah. think, I don't think they chased that and said, "Well, let's try to." slide into that niche yeah because well, they, they didn't make anything I, that sounded like that or emulated Nirvana right or but, but, the, but the thing is they, did, they, they, sorry go ahead Dimitri. well all i was gonna say was that i don't i think that there have been there have been like non non-american bands non-british bands that have cracked that have maybe briefly cracked and like like uh Midnight Oil, like one of the most Australian things mm-hmm. you could possibly have happen. Yeah, absolutely, and then yeah. and then like and beds are burning goes to like number one in 1988, I think, and then um or 87 Still rotation or today too. Yeah, and it's like for some reason, and they did not sacrifice any Australian point of view when they did that song, and no, and fair uh, point. yeah, and and so they were and they were and they were like and they were like a top selling band for for quite a few years in a row so and so i don't so i don't i don't really see why the hip would wouldn't be able to at least briefly with some of the brilliant music that they were doing would have wouldn't have been able to crack crack like a a bigger market like the u.s Mm -hmm. like with it and i'm thinking I, i kind of have to blame their label I, I still, I think, I every, still, I think everyone does. <laughs> yeah, I you think know, everyone does. Yeah. I was just reading an interesting uh, point from Rick Mercer. He's talking about this very question, like why did this not happen? And he said, you know, one of the things was they were they did quite well in the states. They go, they play shows, they'd sell out, they do very well. I saw it for myself a few times in the U.S. Mm-hmm. But he said part of the problem is you go to these shows and the Americans couldn't get in because the Canadians and the local would buy all the, all the tickets to go see the show. So the Americans couldn't get in to see the band play because it was all full up by, by the Canadians. Expats <laughs> who wanted to go to the show. So this is true. I had a friend, Daryl, he's still a friend of mine. So we would go see the hip here in you know, an 18,000 seat arena. Mm-hmm. And he would fly down to like the Southern States. He would follow where they were going and go into these like 400 person venues and get the same or better experience exactly yeah and and own it and he goes it was like 98 percent canadians in there so it's mm. a good point how, like, how are you going to expand the market when canadians are following them across the states buying up the tickets that's exactly what happened for me when i went to aj's in kingston 
the album that they were touring at the time was Road Apples. And I just got word from a buddy of mine in my hometown, my small hometown. It was like, fuck, dude, the hip is playing like in their hometown. We got to go. And we jumped in a car, five of us, and literally drove out to Kingston, got tickets, go to uh, AJ's, and they were road testing three or four of the songs on the album that were just about to talk about in in a couple of minutes here but it was it was incredible it was amazing so yeah okay go ahead derek yeah so uh, another point another point to like why they didn't get where they wanted like why did they why they didn't get a lot of u.s uh stuff was the uh, so rob 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 stated earlier on like with the band um and with Gord, it was like they were starting. Um, they were starting again uh, at Queens, uh, Queens University in Kingston, um, and they couldn't keep touring because they were going to school. Mm. So, uh, and that was with their their previous band. So, so they they decided, okay, screw this band. We're just going to do our own band, and we're going to play locally in Kingston, and we're just going to do this for fun. So, the main premise of the Tragically Hip is. This is fun. Mm-hmm. This isn't like they they didn't start out with like we're gonna be the biggest band in Canada. We're gonna be the fucking blah 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 blah. We're gonna tour the states. We're gonna go to the U the, into the into, into Europe and make a fucking ton of money. Yep. They're just like we're gonna write some jams. We're gonna go play a couple local bars, the biker bar, the bar where the the all the all the ex cons go, the the strip club this 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 bar mitzvah this sweet 16 like we're just gonna play and have a fucking good time yeah and that's what we're gonna do yeah and and i think and and we're speculating we're all speculating mm-hmm. we are right we are so i think that mentality carried through their career the entire time where they're just like yeah if we make it in the states cool if we don't, yeah, I think I think whatever. I honestly I honestly think that fans like us obsess over why didn't they make it in the states more than the band themselves did. Yeah, I think so. they're yeah, financially 100%. well taken care of. They're yeah. they're not. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know? hurt. So speaking of which, we the next record is literally Octung Baby. So we we gotta get <laughs> we have to get going. So it's the um, it's the beginning of their imperial phase. It this is, is ab- where it all it ab- comes. Imperial so what we need to do, phase. what we need to do is, is I know a couple of people Darth Vader outfits and stuff. A couple of people on this <laughs> Derek, a couple of people on this uh panel uh would like to touch really quickly. I know Dimitri, you are one of them on Saskadelphia, so go right ahead. Oh yeah. Well so this just came out. This oh, was there. this was this was extra stuff that from from the Road Apples era that that only we only got to have put out like a couple of years ago, and when it came out, like songs like "Ouch," songs like and like this this one song that I wanted to that I wanted to have played the uh, "Crack My Spine Like a Whip." This was a this was a constant a, a concert staple of theirs forever and it never made it yeah 
So I just want it. I just, I just think that um, when that when Saskadelphia came out a couple years ago, I think that I I heard that playing like from a bunch of houses, a bunch of cars, and everything, and it was like it was like new. It was like brand new music from like thirty years ago, and it was and it sounded so good. So, yeah. um, but also, yeah, that was a concert. St- that song "Crack My Spine Like a Whip" was a constant staple of theirs forever, and we didn't get a version of it come out on a proper on a proper recording until yeah, just two years ago. So, can I be like the I shitty, to shitty human being who says I haven't heard anything off that album? Oh, you should. You should hear it. I, I, more than likely, I know. You more than I, likely, I, I probably have. have a little bit in rotation. You probably have. But it's like, I'm okay. So I'm going to be the devil's advocate guy here, and I'm it, and I I shouldn't even say this because I haven't heard it yet. But it's like you had a formula and a recipe, and then okay, this is coming out later, and I, I like that unreleased stuff. But it's like this is the stuff that didn't make it back then. Is it fair to say? You guys going to beat me up here? I don't think so. No, I no, think no, I, I don't. that I don't think. That's uh, I think that's a a very valid question. I think that maybe some of the tunes weren't as strong as some of the tunes on and, and, Road Apples, and it just and to be to be fair, I should have listened to it before I brought this up. So, so I digress. So, so the so um again, I, I'm going to say Gord because I I was I, I I dove deep all this week and I was like reading interviews and like reading write ups and stuff and and Gord Gord had a, a, a sorry fucking Gord did not have a single thing to say. Rob actually had a thing to say. Where he said um, that uh, uh, they generally write as a collective, yeah, and they all they all put forth they all put forth their 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 ideas and their um, uh, their their suggestions and whatnot, and it's usually broad stroke usually uh, it's not a majority rules kind of. Uh, collaboration musically it is a it's everybody signs off on it and if all four if all four of us aren't you know if like sorry if all five of us aren't aren't, like you know this is this is where we're going then we're not that it doesn't happen that doesn't happen Right. right so a lot of these a lot of these uh so saskadelphia is a lot of um a lot of stuff that got got kind of kind of side shelved right and it's like we'll and then revisit it as opposed to like you know oh it wasn't it like it, it was it was a lot of like it wasn't the like it wasn't the strongest song at this point in time but now we can look at it fresh eyes and go okay let's put let, yeah, let's put and, and, this yeah. together and I, may, I, I guess yeah. i just i have this shitty thing in my head where you're just putting out stuff to put stuff out mm-hmm. and which is unfair mm. because i've seen bands mm-hmm. do this right here's all our stuff we didn't release and you're like okay i just had this stigma in my mind or whatever you want to call it do not tarnish road apples i, I think i think part of to the be thing fair, is i haven't listened to it either i think so that's not fair i think part of the thing is too sometimes and i'm not saying this happened here but sometimes a record label will say we want 12 songs. Give us your 12 best. And this is the 12 best that they could carve out at that moment in time. And maybe they said, God, we'd really like to put Crack a Whip on, but it's just, it's yeah, just not there. So let's put road. it yeah. here. Maybe it'll be a B side. Maybe we can use it down the road. Maybe it'll, maybe we can rework it and it'll go on the next album. Like, cause sometimes that happens too, right? So 
but but I, I agree like is it leftover is it not I don't think they necessarily did leftovers I just think they as you say they could have been four to five agreed on it and if all five aren't in at that point in time well, then let's it. move this on so, to the next you know thing. like they yeah. never played any of that stuff nope live ever crack crack my spine was a was was part of their set list uh, that for was, years. Yeah, I heard that. I remember hearing it a few yeah. times. Yeah. Okay. Never heard it because I was never there. Well, I was going to say, Derek, you can. <laughs> Fuck it. I, I can't comment. <laughs> I can't comment. I can't comment. But it, it's, I don't know. And again, we can move on because I'm being unfair. It's, it's if, if I listen oh, no, to it's, it first. It's a good, it's, you know what? It's a, it, it, Chris, it's, it's actually, a, it's a really good point. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, you think about like you, when you think about music, right? Like, um, and you think you think about writing so so i've written music i've written albums i've i've written yeah. a, a couple albums now and um there's there's stuff that i'm like i obsess over right like there's music that i obsess obsess over and i'm like fuck this is so good so good and then i bring it to like production and engineers or even even ivy for like doing vocals and she's like this is a piece of shit. <laughs> and and right? I don't think just and you don't want to, you don't want to say that. No, mm. I just, to me, it's like, okay, this is hard to articulate. So I apologize. I'm chewing no, go ahead, man. valuable time. It's like when I heard about it previously unreleased stuff. Okay. Are we talking at our heartstrings? Cause Gord's passed on and we want, we want that back. Is it like, just don't, don't, um, you had you had a perfect album and when, when i hear the songs off of it i could feel road apples i could feel that vibe yeah, yeah. It, road apples was but so, i'm like don't so great. fuck with road apples just leave it alone but it's and not don't wa- road apples not. don't road water apples it down done. i know it is it's just i'm i'm, I'm I don't still think... trying to process it so this is like yeah. this and is i need like, to listen to like it too having, i haven't this is like it. having dinner and like you you you've had you've had like you know a good dinner and there was a delicious <laughs> salad and then somebody comes out and says, "Hey, do you want this as yeah. well? Because the chef made this, and he's really proud of it. And we just really aren't offering it on the menu. But yeah, if you want, I am. I'm trying to get rid of this shit. Here, you want this? Like, no, no, I, no. I think and, <laughs> and, and, it, I already had my fucking prime rib. Get out of here. <laughs> and, and, and if memory serves me correctly, because we did an album premiere on it. If memory serves me correctly." these were songs that were left in a warehouse for a long time and they dug through the tapes and there's a lot of that going on right now the boys are going through a lot of their vault going like what do we have in here what did we not get to what can we redo what can we bring out again because they want why are you doing that well because they can't release new music they can't make new music and they know they've got stuff in the vault that maybe the fan base wants and maybe yeah i mean and i hope that's what it is but i just i don't know know. they're not what they're not doing but what they're not doing is going in and redoing songs. No, yeah. they're not. They're no, going they're not. in. They're not pulling a bullshit U2 songs of surrender thing. They're going in <laughs> and what they're doing. <laughs> he said it. He said it out he loud. It. I said it out loud. And I feel the same. But way. you know what I mean? They're not. And that, but that would be the easy route to go. That would be the easy way to go. To remix yeah. stuff that you've done before. Yeah. 100%. Going in and finding stuff and getting it out there. And well, that's yeah. and thank you for that, Rob. Because if it's it just it's unreleased, so new to us stuff. 
That's great. It was new, yeah. Don't don't try to felt new to me. Unreleased gems, fucking... unreleased gems, absolutely. Yeah, like I whatever. Think. That that's cool. Anyway, sorry for chewing up time. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it, buddy. No, it's, it's all good. good. It's good point. No, I'm trying to process point. it. Um, you know, I know that uh, Kid Rock has never come up with a song this fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hate me because I'm right. <laughs> Watch the boat, the boat, Their third full-length album released October 1992. Almost exactly one year behind Pearl Jam's 10. Can you believe that? This is the record that came out around this time. You're dealing with Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, and Nirvana. Produced uh, by uh, Chris Sangarides. Um, MCA favorited Chris over their previous um, producer named Don Smith. Chris produced uh, Concrete Blonde and really wanted to work with the Tragically Hip, which is very, very, very fucking cool. Yeah. Here's the interesting thing about this. So, Chris, we were talking about this, and and just so everybody knows, Chris, I love you, buddy. Just so I'm just taking the piss out of you in regards to Kid Rock. Oh, actually, all day. Otherwise, it'd be boring. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, this is the first record where the Tragically Hip were not playing live off the floor like they were doing with the EP up to here in Road Apples. This is the first record where they got into the studio and actually were performing track by track and then Gord Downey came in had 3 days to do vocals. So let's think about that for a sec. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through the singles list and I want you guys to think about the band coming in instrument by instrument, track by track, laying everything down and then Gord Downey has 3 days to do vocals locked in the trunk of a car october 92 50 mission cap january 1993 courage that we just heard february 1993 at the 100th meridian april 1993 looking for a place to happen june 1993 and fully completely in the summer of 1993 six singles off of this album gore downey had three fucking days can well, I tell you how to do vocals. fucking hard that is? Rob, what were you going to say? The recording Sorry. process was a gong show because they did it over in the UK, right? They did it at Battersea in London. And they went over thinking this was going to be a great time. And it was they just did not enjoy it at all. They, yeah. they, they hated it. It didn't live up to their expectations. They didn't have the nightlife they wanted. So this for them was like a night and day compared to the way they've approached in the album in the past, I think. So I wonder the if that's, fact that they pulled it off as well as they did is astonishing to me. I think that's, I wonder if that's where they, uh, <laughs> a day for night. I wonder if that's where they came up with the <laughs> name for their next record. Ooh, that's well, so sometimes, cool. sometimes, uh, sometimes when like a recording process is, is a nightmare. It makes her some of my favorite albums of all time. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Like, yeah, like absolutely. Station, yeah. state, station, station to Station, station by Bowie. Bowie. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. oh my a God. Nightmare. Like, that's one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. This, one of my favorite albums of all time. You they know? had been working on, as you said, Dimitri, they'd been working on these songs for a while. I remember going to see them open for Rush at Maple Leaf Gardens on the Roll the Bones tour in 91. Mm. Gord says, in his Gord style. 
going to sing you a new song that we're just writing right now, and it's about a guy whose banner hangs right above us. His name's Bill Barocco. This is called 50 Mission Cap. Never yeah. heard it before. Ever heard it before. Fuck. Then we were like, what is going on? That is insane. C. Herman is in the chat saying that, sh- that they were there. <laughs> so, very cool. I actually was there the year before when it was... Uh, the um, Presto Tour, 1990, and it was uh, Chalk Circle opening for uh, Rush, and they were so fucking good, they got called back for an encore. I, I think, I think <laughs> so they did, what, what I think they the did about point? two or three tracks. That, Why did they go to that way of recording? Probably it's new producer, usually, new venue, producer's new look. Choice, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know enough about the back end of music like that, but, but when I hear that, it's like, well, you had such, such success with Road Apples and that formula like why would you fuck oh, with that there's actually an interesting quote well, you, from uh, rob baker let me see if i can find it here go ahead guys oh hip guitarist rob baker later voiced the opinion that collaborating excuse me with the same producer on multiple projects as the hip had done um with uh uh dimitri their previous producer sangaridis uh no no this is this is what this is the record that he's on now Chris Sangaridis. No, the, the, the producer. Don for, Smith. Don, Don Smith. Smith. Thank, you. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, they, they, Rob Baker was just kind of of the opinion that maybe we should try something new and, and see what kind of throw, you know, spin the top and see what happens. Sure. I just, yeah. Yeah. And everybody. So, so the whole I mean, time, great the album, time, the, the end, the end result speaks for itself. However, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, this whole time we've been talking about the tragically hit, We've we've mentioned Gord, we've mentioned Paul, we've mentioned Rob, we've mentioned Gord, we've mentioned Davis Manning. But we haven't mentioned. Nobody's <laughs> fucking said shit about Johnny. Oh, Johnny's the drummer, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> Johnny I'm totally what? kidding? Doesn't Johnny write the set lists? Or... I actually, I actually met Johnny I when I was right. I was working yeah, in I think Toronto. He does, doesn't he? I'm pretty sure Johnny Faye writes the set list for he, every he live show. He probably does. I wouldn't doubt it. I met Johnny at, uh, I worked at a shop called Just Drums in Toronto in 98, I believe I met him. And he's the nicest fucking guy you will he, ever meet in your life. And he's a such great, a pocket player too. great player. Yeah. Just a pocket player too, man. Like he just, he is so freaking tight. Like it's, uh, I, I, as, as, Okay, as Canadian drummers go, it starts off with Neil. Okay, sure. But but then but Johnny comes in. Johnny comes in probably like a good fucking fourth, I think, for me. Hmm. But Neil's always first. I don't care what anybody says. Okay. I hate to I hate to cross promote, but I'm going to cross promote. Do it. We did an ongoing history with Rob Baker on fully completely. Um with alan and it's up there on the site i can't remember i'm trying to remember the details i mean i've be honest i've done a few hundred shows i don't remember all the details <laughs> yeah exactly but he he really he really breaks down everything that went into that album and all the yeah. songs that went into it because it was it was not what they expected it was going to be mm-hmm. and the interesting thing just like uh just like dimitri said is with that um difficulty came arguably their biggest album ever yeah i yeah i would not disagree with that i think it's probably their 
probably their biggest one. Yeah, I have a I have a buddy. I have a buddy who um who spent most of his childhood and teenage years in the UK and now he lives here and he's a good friend of mine and so like DJ Forces and I like will um will will say will tell him to go back. He's actually asked us to do this. Recommend albums to him that we know that he doesn't. Oh. And I said fully completely by the tragically hip. I want you to go listen to it three times and then come back and tell us what you think of it. And like, I was so curious. I was so curious. He said, that was great. It's like, it's like, <laughs> like, and, and so, and it was interesting because his favorite song on the album was the wherewithal, mm. which I didn't, really? which I didn't expect. I didn't expect. No. You know, wow. <laughs> I see. I you, Okay. Dimitri, you know, you know this. Cause I, I said this, uh, uh the, the, the last time, uh, with Chris, with like he's pulling out like obscure, like what you find <laughs> inside like, of these CD really? jackets, man. Look at that, that's yeah. awesome. Um, but like I, I love it when people pull like like their favorite song is is like nowhere even close to <laughs> any of the fucking <laughs> I know. singles. I know right? the wherewithal, like, so far removed from a single that it's like people are like, wait, that's on the album. Yeah. Let's play a few tracks from said album, shall we? This Let's is uh, Dimitri wanted to hear this song. This incredible album released in October of 1992. Track one, Courage for Hugh McLennan. Track two, Looking for a Place to Happen. Three, At the 100th Meridian. Four, Pigeon Camera. Number five, Lionized. Six, Locked in the Trunk of a Car. Number seven, Will Go to Eight, Fully Completely. Nine, 50, Mission Cap. Ten, 
Wheat Kings, 11, The Wherewithal, our man James Dunn's favorite track, and 12, El oh, no, 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 Dorado. No, 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 no. James Dunn, no. My buddy Chris. Oh, I'm lo- sorry. I thought lo- it was. I thought it was. I thought yeah. It was. I have no idea what DJ Forces' favorite favorite song. We're going to have to ask him. We're going to have to ask him. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, I want to get uh, you guys just do your thing and talk for a sec. I just want to get something here for a second. Okay. And I'll be right back. Well, that this album elevated the hip to one of my favorite bands in the world the world <laughs> so so yeah like That's like around order. yeah around so like this was like so this is like 92 and so like to me at this point my favorite band in the world was my fa- my top three bands in the world or artists were you two peter gabriel and the hip wow so okay, yeah, I was they say, were right up there. Yeah, this this my was also band is behind Rob's head. Which one? Smith? That one. No. Smith? No. No. New no, order. Back. No. Up one. You two probably. Yeah, that one. You two. That's my favorite album right there. <laughs> that one. That's Speaking of favorite, oh yeah, 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 yeah. favorite yeah, albums. Yeah. Speaking of favorite albums, Rob, are we going to Vegas? No. So don't even what? get. Don't even. Don't even get. Go me going. On. That's an <laughs> okay. entire another show. Don't even go going on. Okay, we're um, talking later. Yeah. So what are we roadside, talking later? Roadside yeah. Attraction was off this album too, right? Mm-hmm. That was the first the first Roadside Attraction. And I think the reason why this has become everyone's, not everyone's, it's a general statement, but the, their biggest album mm-hmm. is because of Road Apples, or because of Roadside Attraction. It's the most Canadian album they've done. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, come on, half the songs are got canadian references in them that nobody would understand mm-hmm. yeah and i think it was the one that really started li- leading people around to doing the campfire type thing playing the campfire songs right playing your your wee kings, kings playing May your, I? you know you know what I? I mean? oh, craig craig are you are you gonna craig are you gonna wee kings is the only song I watch it watch watch the drummer's gonna play guitar watch, look, okay. watch they the actually do exist eric just so you know <laughs> Shut up and play, monkey. You're out of tune. <laughs> Are we all supposed to we sing? Can't. Are we can. <laughs> oh, the treasures buried, and all you hear are the rusty breezes. Pushing around weather vanes. <laughs> hey, I let's think it's dropping off. Let's, let's shut that down. Some pretty things. All of a sudden, Roland from um, <laughs> who is it, Ter- Dimitri? Rolling from uh, gift, she drives gift. me crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you want to talk about, if you want to talk about like campfire songs, I mean, every single person that I know, like you, you would break into those chords on that song. Everybody sang it. Everyone, you know, and it except was for, just except for me and Rob. They became. Uh, well, I'm not talking about now, Derek. I'm talking about oh, okay. like, you know, Sorry. wonderful then. exist, like, you know, situations the 90s. where people weren't jerks. And, um, but I just, I was, um, no, it just, it's one of those things. It's one of those things where that song, uh, you know, 
a musician would pull out the instrument, start playing it, and everybody would sing the song. And the hit became that for me with this record. And it was right. just... Brian, Brian Lindley in the comments basically said, do you know God? Do you know why Gord sang this? And he answered the question himself. So you, so we wouldn't have to. I agree. Well said. Yeah. Very good. Well, listen, um, but I will say, I will say about fully completely the album. Um, this, I think, is the album to give somebody who is a newbie like i this will make that this is the hip at its peak distilled easy and very accessible There's really a bold hip. statement I, I i do think if you have a newbie that you want to introduce to the hip i think this is it i'm i i think you could give them your favorites that's you could what i was gonna say dimitri yeah, it's I just, think just, you just, could get, but if you're going to go for an album, like a snapshot, if you had to band at one. a time, if you had to yeah. pick one, um, yeah, that's a coin toss between that and road apples, but yeah, I would I think so. Yeah. I think so. Fully, yeah, completely, I would give probably, fully, fully completely, completely over would be the one. Yeah. I'll agree with you on that for sure. No. Well, I do have to say we do have a second part to this entire thing and the albums Thank that you. we're going to talk about on the other side in next week's episode, they're freaking great as well. So we, we still have a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody that has joined us this evening. Thanks for hanging out. I don't know if anybody has anything else to say about fully completely the album. It's it's kind of a big deal. You know, it's it's basically for me, it's it is their album. Mm-hmm. But it's just I think what we need to do is to uh, tie in the amazing podcast that uh, Rob and, of course, Mr. Alan Cross did in regards to this album, they'll they'll have all sorts of great stuff to say. Listening to Rob Baker talk about that would be awesome. I mean, that's just listening to Rob talk is, is you, you, exactly. You don't get you don't let him, you just let him go. He's yeah. just got that low baritone. Yeah, you just go. Yeah. I I actually met him at uh, Cosmo Music uh, many years ago, and he was just kind of chilling out. There was a um, he was part of a um, a clinic that Cosmo Music was putting on, and he was standing up against the guitar counter. And I was walking past him and I just looked at him and he looked at me and he's like, oh, fuck, this guy's going to say hi. And, <laughs> and I just walked up and I put my hand on his shoulder. I just said, dude, thanks for the music and the memories. And he was like, honestly, like, that means a lot, man. Thank you. So, yeah, he's yeah. a fucking he's a proper dude for sure. Yeah, Rob does a lot of a lot of guitar stuff. He's uh, he's got an actual he's got an online clinic as well. Yeah, um, really? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, he's been doing it for years. He's been doing it for years because because he has such a unique um uh playing uh style. a unique playing style. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. The drummer came <laughs> up with that for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> so third album, fully complete released October nineteen ninety year out of tune. October nineteen ninety two. Fucking I mean absolute perfection i don't think there's any better way we could sign off on this program i i really don't think well, there is playing a song we are going to no we're actually not going to Derek, because we don't want any youtube strikes so yeah, right we, we don't want to get right fucking banned youtube police so um we are going to say good night thank you so much for joining us here on episode 53 i believe this is 
You can find us at Cryer Media, Cryer.co, C-R-I-E-R.co. All of our podcasts are up there. Canadian AF, also known as Canadian as fuck. <clears throat> We've got all sorts of great shows. We actually just spoke to uh, our man Ivan from Men Without Hats. We just spoke to him on Sunday. That was going to be fun as fuck. That was so much fun. We're going to put that uh, audio up tomorrow. So make sure you join us as often as you possibly can. I know Rob works for a place I used to work for, but I have to plug my my stuff here. I do apologize. This is uh, also on an online radio station that we call Revolution Radio. It's kind of behind me here. Revolution Radio, 24-7, 365. We are spinning kick-ass music and giving you great content. So join us, revolutionradio.live. Once again, revolutionradio.live is in live music. Thanks so much to Rob, Chris, Dimitri, and that troublemaker known as Derek. Um, Thank you all so much, guys. I really appreciate your time. Can't wait to get into part two with you next week, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are going to be talking about the next four hip records in their uh, canon of amazing albums in the 1990s. So again, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Greatly appreciate it. Signing off tonight. Episode 53, Canadian as fuck. You're listening to Revolution Radio Canada. Good night. Hey, listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.